Borada, Carolyn Dewey, a Christo e Starlight Radio Dreams presents Kerdoriath Celtica. Good morning, I'm Carolyn, and welcome to Starlight Radio Dreams presents Kerdoriath Celtica, Celtica's music. With me in the living room studio is my husband Grant. Say hi, Grant. Hello. How are you doing today, Grant? Doing pretty good. We had a good morning. We'd make eggy in the basket, which was good. It was very good. <laughs> are you ready to hear our word of the day? I am. So the word of the day is Tewasog. 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 And it means prince. All right. The plural of prince is Tewasogion. Two princes. <laughs> so now you're ready to do your Welsh translation of two princes. Beautiful. Like you've always <laughs> wanted to. That's been that's been my goal of my part of this podcast. Yeah. I'm just trying to get to the point where I can translate two princes. Yeah. yeah. The both of well, one of those words, the mm-hmm. plural, Tewasogion, um, is going to come up in our song of the day. Which you probably had no idea we were gonna do that, so yeah. I led that in. That segue was important. Which is not Two princes. It's not two princes. Because that's my project. That's your project. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but our song today is Hrvelgerch Gwir Harlech, which is the March of the Men of Harlech. Technically, it'd be a march of men of Harlech. There are no, definite. there are no definite articles in there. So would you like to hear a little history of Harlech Castle, the yeah. castle mentioned? In the title of the song that I just said? Which I assume is in Wales. It is in Wales. In Cymru. So in this episode, we're going to talk about someone I've been waiting a long time to have a long conversation about. (laughs) Owain Glyndwr, the son of destiny. Is that S-U-N of destiny or S-O-N of destiny? I believe it's S-O-N of destiny. Okay. Uh, So Owain Glyndwr is a very important figure in Welsh history, and particularly in Welsh resistance history. You know, ages ago I started following a group on Facebook called Welsh Independence Memes for Angry Welsh Teens, um, <laughs> which is a delightful follow, I have found. And I've gotten to experience, like, Welsh indie snark humor, <laughs> which is... Very fun. <laughs> because largely, there's so much history base in that humor. Yeah. So, like, we're going back to, like, old medieval history for these jokes. I'm in. I'm in. This is my brand. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so they would make, you know, ridiculous Owain Glyndwr memes. Because you know how medieval figures are always showing up in memes, right? Absolutely. <laughs> God, I like this humor. <laughs> what a bunch of funny folks. Folks, great group of guy. Yeah, great group of guy. Great. So I learned about him, at least his name, from there, and went ahead and started looking up more. Like, so what's what's the history behind this one? Who's this guy? And I loved everything I found out. And to my shame, because I am a huge Shakespeare fan, but have never been real big on the histories. Um, they're long. They're long, and half of them are named Henry. Yeah, <laughs> you really couldn't expect me to care about that many Henrys. Um, I stuck with Henry V. It's a completely self-contained story and has some really excellent speeches and a Welshman. I tried jumping in on that one, but I hadn't seen the first four, so I was lost most of the time. <laughs> it's okay. Shakespeare uh, kind of chickened out and never wrote the first three Henrys, mm. so shameful. <laughs> <laughs> 
However, I only found out in these past quarantine months when I had a trial subscription to Marquee TV and saw some of the some Shakespeare plays at the Globe, or at least by the Royal Shakespeare Company, and watched Henry IV for the first time, parts one and two. <laughs> the Owain Glyndwr uh, is, uh, he appears in Henry IV, <laughs> part one, and his daughter is there speaking only Welsh, which Shakespeare was too big a coward to write down. <laughs> it just says, um... Lady Mortimer speaks Welsh now, I guess. So he didn't write a translation, he no. just wrote speaks Welsh? Yeah, just speaks Welsh, and then Owain Glyndwr is translating for her. Uh, uh, so you know what she's saying, quote-unquote. Yeah. So now we know what she's saying, because uh, she's speaking to her husband, Lord Mortimer, who is an Englishman, who is all the way in love with her, and because he loves her so much, loves Welsh now but doesn't speak any. So apparently he loves it, but not enough to learn it? Question mm -hmm. mark? Mm -hmm. Because Shakespeare didn't want to try to learn anything about another language. Which at this moment in history, we weren't all that far away from 1536, which we talked about two fortnights ago. Mm -hmm. Which I remember so well and do not need a refresher. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, Laws in Wales Act. Ah, yes. Wherein they said, um... When I say England, I mean England and Wales, so just don't, I don't have to talk about Wales ever again. Yeah. In that act, it was also established that all legal and official things, everything to do with business and everything to do with the law, should be spoken in the king's English. Okay. Speak Welsh at home all you want, but, but the Welsh isn't a practical language. The official language of Wales is English. Yep. Okay. Shakespeare was a product of his time, <laughs> going, yeah, but... We can just have anybody speaking Welsh. And I do wonder, was there a Welsh person on his team? Was there mm. someone who, like, did he have a lady actor who could play or who could speak Welsh and was playing Lady Mortimer? Well, um, it wouldn't have been a lady actor, right? I mean, an, an actor a man who, who plays ladies. Oh, okay. no, I uh, because that probably would have been a specialty, not something just everybody does. I'm using lady actor in the way that the series Upstart Crow uses lady actor. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely official terminology <laughs> my source is a goofy british sitcom <laughs> anyway so like did he have someone who spoke welsh or did he literally just have a person going uh i think this is what welsh sounds like um gibberish gibberish ah yes she's saying she totally loves you dude regardless it was a mistake on shakespeare's part and i don't forgive him because <laughs> welsh is so freaking beautiful Anywho, that was a real side tangent. Has anyone told you you have the soul of an angry Welsh teen? <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> I've waited years just to be told that. <laughs> if we ever renew our vows, that's going in. <laughs> this is why I love you, you dork. Anywho, I'd like to give you some actual history on Owain Glyndwr, now that I've given you some side notes and <laughs> trivia about where he appears in pop culture near his time. Ahem. Owain Glyndwr, a North Welsh nobleman. He studied English law in London. He fought in the English army for a while. He was, you know, he was a Welsh nobleman, so all of the ways that the English oppression up to this point had affected the rank-and-file people, 
uh, or the Guerin Bobo, okay. um, those, those kinds of oppressions had not really affected him because he has class privilege. Yeah. He's a rich man. But in September of 1400, he's in his 40s. He has a land squabble with an English neighbor of his, a colonizer, <laughs> who owns land in Wales. And this land squabble uh, can't be resolved at their level. He brings it to the next level. It's not getting resolved. He ends up bringing it all the way up to Parliament, hmm. saying, Hey, King of England, I'm going to need you to resolve this squabble with my neighbor because he's infringing on my rights, and yeah. I'm your subject too. Which he was happy to be. Yeah. But in Parliament, his case was dismissed, thrown out, we're not going to bother with that. And certain members of Parliament referred to the Welsh at large as just barefoot rascals, hmm. calling them like savages, saying that they're not real people. Yeah, less than human. A big part of what made you noble is your lineage. And he has an old lineage going back. His family has had privilege for generations and generations and generations. So he's frankly flabbergasted that he's being treated this way. Yeah. And when he goes back home, he is unable to square all of these things together and still be a happy English subject. Hmm. Like, no, screw that. The things that are happening to me, that's what's been happening to my neighbors, to the people who live around me, to the people who depend on me for their income and everything, for my tenants, for my, you know, my mini subjects. Yeah. Well, that's not okay. If I'm going to be a good leader of the people who I, who do report to me, then I got to watch out for their interests and mine too. We're going to have an uprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so his supporters rally round him and declare him the Prince of Wales, Tuisog Cymru, which there hasn't been a man holding the title of Prince of Wales um, in about a century and a half. The last guy was Llewellyn the Last, Llewellyn hmm. um, ap Griffith, and that was, like I said, round about 150 years ago. Yeah. So, um, so why wouldn't he, why wouldn't they have been like, he's the king of Wales or whatever? Uh, because in Wales, they, there had been like going back in history, hundreds of years, mm -hmm. tons of guys had called themselves the king of this, the king of that, the king of the other. So the Welsh word for king was very cheapened to them. They okay. were like, everyone can be a king. King became very common. Yeah. Okay. Going back to Latin, since they spent hundreds of years being... <laughs> owned by Rome, or being dominated by Rome. There's a lot of Latin influence in the Welsh language mm. uh, for that reason. And so they looked at the Latin word for principal ruler and translated prince into their language, Tuasog, and said, prince is the big one. Mm. Prince is the highest thing you can be. Because also going back in history, it, like if you read Shakespeare, if you read various other things, words like prince and king and ruler are all kind of used interchangeably. Yeah. They didn't have as many hard line, this is what a king is, this is what a prince is, this is what an emperor is. An emperor character, a king character, a queen character might refer to themselves as a prince. Yeah. Whereas like now we see it's like king number one, queen number two, prince number three, <laughs> nobles number four, like etc. Yeah. It's like this very straight line. You got your dukes and your earls and your <laughs> etc. But yeah, so prince had less of a definite meaning. Mm. And in Wales, it sounded best to them. They were like, that's the number one. Okay. So the Prince of Wales, he's going to, like the last guy tried to, as Llewellyn did, he's going to try to unite all of Wales under his rulership. 
which in order to do that, Owain Glyndwr is first going to have to wrest Wales away from the ownership <laughs> and rulership of England. So he sets about doing that. Okay. Using guerrilla war tactics, he attacks um, English strongholds of like commercial power. So like English has the, the English have a lot of commerce in this town and that town and that town. We're going to go in there. We're going to slash and burn everything. Hmm. So they're affecting England's commercial well-being, their yeah. economic safety to start with because wars are expensive <laughs> and yeah. if you're attacking their coffers great <laughs> and i know Smart a pretty dude. a pretty usual tactic for like that kind of like guerrilla warfare smaller country or group fighting against an oppressor is like you're never going to beat them outright like his plan was not to take over england and become the king of england mm-hmm. and wales it's just become too much of a hassle for them to want to continue to, yeah. to fight you and deal with you. Yeah. So if you're too much of a hassle, they'll be like, all right, fine, just go over there and forget it. Yes. So as he's doing that, he's gaining more and more supporters as he goes. The more territory he takes from the English, the more Welsh people start joining up under his banner. And Welsh laborers working in England and Welsh students attending Oxford University are, you know, laborers throwing down their tools and students are throwing down their pens to join Owain Glyndwr. So they're running away from England to come back home to fight for Welsh independence, which is just poetic in its scope. Write that place, Shakespeare. (laughs) Rude. He's a coward and he's dead. Also, it would have been political suicide for him. (laughs) Because, you know, Glyndwr lost the war. But maybe now that he's dead, he won't be such a coward. Hey, Shakespeare's ghost, if you're listening, write this. (laughs) (laughs) So his motive is clear to get the English out of Wales so Wales can rule itself. So in 1404, the Prince of Wales sets his sights on a castle that has personified English oppression in the region for a century or more, Harlech Castle. After a few months of siege, he wins it and moves his family into it so it can be his seat of power for, from which he will rule. For four years, Glyndwr rules with support, both military and financial, from the King of France. He's coronated and holds the first Welsh Parliament at Machinlleth, a market town midway between North and South Wales, where the English have never built a castle. Because then, as now, uh, there were already some major cultural differences between the North of Wales and the South of Wales. Mm. So picking a spot at a midpoint in Wales is is good policy. Yeah. He's like he's saying I'm trying to bridge the gap. Yeah. I want to bring us all together. <laughs> this isn't North Wales trying to rule South Wales or vice versa. Yeah. This is I'm I'm we're all together. Yes. Wales. Even though he himself is very far north. Yeah. Like he came from the north. He makes plans to establish universities and an independent Wales. But not all of Wales is on board to do something as audacious as what Glyndwr has laid out. And when France withdraws support, it doesn't take long for his beautiful revolution to fizzle out. By 1410, Owain Glyndwr was a fugitive. His wife and children were imprisoned by the English for the rest of their days. And Wales is punitively cut off from trade, leaving an already economically struggling colonized territory impoverished and starving. Sources say Glyndwr may have died in or around 1416, But the legends say that he's still sleeping in the mountains of Wales, waiting for the call to return and liberate his country. Hmm. So that's the tragic story of the Gundur Rising, Hmm. (laughs) which is just a footnote in Henry IV. Yeah. (laughs) 
winners write the history and the history plays. So yeah. And the song, uh, that I'm going to sing today, is largely assumed to be about a later part of the history of Harlech Castle. Namely, the role it played toward the end of the Wars of the Roses, which, so the funny little footnote it mm-hmm. is in Henry IV Part One. The Wars of the Roses would end with Henry VII, who was a quarter Welsh, being placed on the throne. But that wouldn't prove to be of any real benefit to Wales in the long run. Even though Henry VII is going to, in a few years, ride through Wales amassing an army, saying, I'm Welsh like you! Fight with me! I've got a dragon on the flag! <laughs> Which is where the Welsh, the current Welsh flag came from. But I've got, I've got a dragon on the flag. I like you. You could like me. Maybe we all fight together. And I get to rule both England and Wales. Yeah. And eventually enough Welsh people supported him and eventually he got enough military support overall to win that battle at Bosworth Field. But once he was king, he did nothing about his Welshness. He did nothing to make life better in Wales. So screw that. (laughs) (laughs) And frankly, I'm bored with hearing how Wales fits into the story of England. Yeah. Because that's been its context for way too long. At least that's the context in which it is spoken about. That is not the true context of Wales. Wales is the context of Wales. But yeah, people only ever talk about Wales in its context to England. So screw that. I'm bored of that story. (laughs) I don't care if this exact song definitely was or was not written about the Wars of the Roses or any other battle that ever happened at Harlech Castle. Yeah. And frankly, the song is not terribly specific. It's just describing a battle, pretty much. (laughs) So... You can call it however you want. And therefore, as you listen to the translation and the song, I would like you, Grant, and you, our listeners, to picture fierce Welsh warriors fighting for their homeland as they hold their newly won Harlech castle against English invaders. And since I'll be the one singing it and harmonizing with myself, and I'm a soprano, if you happen to imagine a glorious band of warrior women, that won't be strictly accurate to this exact chapter of history, but it will certainly be glorious. Mm. So I can't fault you. Are you ready to hear the translation, Grant? Yes. This translation was done by myself, Carolyn Blake, with help from a member of one of the Welsh learning groups I belong to on Facebook, specifically a person called Erin Divid. Thank you, Erin Divid. Because this song was way beyond my vocab and grammar level. (laughs) So... Without further ado, a march of men of Harlech. Behold the white bonfire burning, and tongues of fire shouting, shouting for the brave to come and strike again as one. With the loud shouts of princes, the voices of enemies, and the noise of armed people, and the galloping of the knights. Rock upon rock will shake. Arvon will never end. It is sung forever. Wales will be as Wales has been, glorious among the nations. In the white light of yonder bonfire, over the lips of a dying Welshman, independence is calling for his bravest man. The enemy won't be allowed to kill and pursue. Harlech, Harlech, rise up to pursue them. The great giver of our freedom gives us strength. Behold Wales and her armies, pouring from the mountains, They rush like falls of waters. They leap like the tide. Success to our knights. 
To prevent the sword of the foreigner, he will get to know in his heart how the Briton's sword bites. Sword against sword will turn bitter. Steel against steel will strike. Behold the banner of Wales above. Freedom wins the day. That's just a damn epic poem, right? It's a good poem. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite part of that poem is the part about Wales and her armies pouring like the pouring from the mountains like a waterfall. Mm. It sounds biblical. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next thing it's going to mention King David or someone. <laughs> There's going to be a Philistine somewhere. <laughs> or a Moabite. I don't know. I'm flexible. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's positively biblical in its scope. It sounds beautiful. I liked the... The bit of, I think it was like, the one who gives us freedom gives us power or Mm. something like that. Like, I like that thought of, like, because it it also feels very, like, inspirational rise up speech kind of thing of, like, we were born, like, we were born free. God, in this context, gives us freedom. And then these English people are taking it away from us. So we're, like, fulfilling our divine destiny or whatever by like fighting for our freedom and like god is on our side so Mm -hmm. he gave us freedom now he's giving us strength to vanquish our oppressors or whatever i like that i love it a lot
So that was Trevelger Gwir Harlach. It's a good song. Thanks, love. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about how we connect that to today or to broader contexts. Like when colonial powers withdraw or are ejected, like the English rule being yeeted out of Wales. <laughs> Angry Welsh team. <laughs> <laughs> It was going to take a good several years for Glyndwr to establish his government and actually create stability. Yeah. Because that's always the way it is when a colonial power disappears, whether they withdraw or are pushed out. Yeah. There's instability in the region for some time to follow. It doesn't change overnight. And that's what we've seen across the globe, wherever colonial powers have withdrawn. Yeah. Every African country. <laughs> um, There's always a bit of things get worse before they get better. It's that like you you need that destabilization in order to hopefully build something better. Like the idea being that something better will come, a better system will come and replace the old one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that there's always going to be destabilization, like you said. Um. And the thing we have to abate that or to mitigate those factors is support from allies. Yeah. But the King of France withdrew his support. <laughs> and that was the death knell. Yeah. <laughs> Glyndor couldn't continue because he didn't have the resources. Because he wouldn't have the resources to be independent for many years to come. Yeah. Because all of Wales, like, wealth and resources had been taken and profited off of by England for hundreds of years at this point. Which also brings me to how even that far back, Welsh people were going to England to get more money. The laborers in English fields, Welsh people were leaving their homes to go work in England to send money back home. <laughs> that was already a thing. That would be a thing later on in the Victorian era. And is a thing wherever oppressed people are impoverished. Yeah. That's why people come across the border from <laughs> Mexico to work here and send money back home. It's the same story. Yeah. White people do this too. Just not in the US as much. Yeah. <laughs> like this has been this isn't a new story. This is an old story. This has always been the way. Yeah. Wherever systems are unfair <laughs> and people are poor and in need because food continues to cost money so until we throw that out yeah which i support us throwing that out but i realize is a tall order um people aren't ready yeah. and i really wish they were <laughs> money is our imaginary friend that has never been nice to us <laughs> anyway but yeah so because a colonizer had swept into wales and it was colonizer after colonizer. The reason that the Saxons and later, who would later be called the English, uh, and the Normans, who would later be called the English, like Saxons and Normans came in and absolutely dominated Wales over a period of centuries because Rome had withdrawn. Yeah. After being there for centuries. This, the people living on this part of land have been unable to govern themselves because of oppressive powers again and again and again. It's not that the Welsh people then or now or ever 
have been incompetent to rule themselves. It's that they've never been given the chance. Yeah. Again and again and again. (laughs) (laughs) Because they've always been recovering from the last guy. They've just never been able to get back on their feet. So to everyone who says Welsh independence is a silly idea, not if Wales can actually be in command of its own resources. Yeah. That's been the issue. (laughs) Wales has not for... 800 and possibly a thousand years if you include the Romans like forever Wales has not had control of its own resources we've never actually gotten to see that in action so it's completely unfair to look at history and say well there's no way it could work because it never has worked never had a chance to work is different (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so when colonizers are coming in and taking your resources and giving nothing back which they're still doing yeah Wales pays their taxes like everybody and continue to have poor infrastructure and have projects approved by Parliament that the Welsh people have said, I I thought we had already expressed that we wanted one of these. Like, yes, you did, but we're giving you one of those. (laughs) So, toodle pip, I assume the English government says to people. Probably. And the other thing I want to talk about is how Glyndwr tried to do all of this the quote-unquote right way Hmm. from the get-go. He went to Parliament. He went before that. He went to his local government. Like he tried to solve this issue by the book. Yeah, he just had a land dispute. A guy was saying that he was allowed to put his, you know, feed his livestock here or build buildings here. I forget what it was, but he was. The guy was saying, that land is my land. And Gundur was saying, no, that's your land. What you're pointing at is my land. So you're not allowed to do what you're doing there because I own it. Like, no, you don't own it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that kind of land dispute happened all the time. At the time, drawing a border was very hard. So this kind of dispute was happening all the time every day amongst landowners. And Gundur just tried to do what anybody does. And was thrown out of court for not being English. Yeah. When people try to do things the quote-unquote right way, and you don't listen to them, and don't give them justice, they're going to do it the way that you're going to call the wrong way. Yeah. You know? It's going to get uglier from there. People will demand justice with increasing vehemence. And if you don't listen to it when it sounded less objectionable, you're really not going to like what it sounds like. When they're angry enough to start burning buildings. Yeah. Like, no one had to burn these buildings if you had just listened the first time. Mm. And no one would have to take over your cool castle if you'd just listened the first time. I mean, that's why there are very few groups of rich and powerful people who go out onto the street and riot because they already get what they want out of the world or their government or whatever. (laughs) So the same goes for people of less means. If they get the things that they need, they don't riot and stuff. Um, yeah. Happy people don't rebel. Yep. How, how could we make them happier? I don't know. Stop murdering them in the streets. Who knows? (laughs) Might be a first step. Good first step. Yeah. Just stop killing them. Mm -hmm. People tend to love it when they're not dead. So like, again, this is an old story. Yeah. This is an old story and white people did it too. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's going to happen again and again until we reform our systems or throw out the systems we have and build new ones. 
whatever's got to happen. <laughs> History has so many lessons for us. The chief lesson is there is nothing new under the sun. <laughs> As I always say, correct me. When I know better, I can do better. In the meantime, I'm striving on my own to know better, not just with Welsh, but with all things in my life, especially when it comes to my privilege. I'm not waiting to be corrected in order to work to change, but I am open to receiving correction when people want to offer it. And you can do that too. So let's all know better and do better. Please continue to donate to worthy causes, contact your representatives in government, have hard conversations with your loved ones, join marches if you feel moved to do so, and engage in self-critique. And make sure you are registered to vote. I got my mail-in ballot just the other day. Mm -hmm. Excited to do an election. <laughs> Please make sure that you double-check all the requirements for what a mail-in ballot has to look like before you send it in. Because we want to give them no excuses not to count our votes. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram at Kerdoriaith Celtica Podcast and on Facebook at Kerdoriaith Celtica. Thank you so much for listening. Black Lives Matter. Diochin Bauramrando, my Bibadai the Inboise. Hoyle.